0: It's, it's uh, been a privilege, but it's also been intimidating uh, and unusual uh, to share about the time that God has been with us, uh, been with Bev and I, uh, as she passed and went to be home with Jesus. And uh, the last, uh, that's not even been a year. It's only been six months, and uh, so the last, uh, the last six months of that time was pretty heavy and difficult, uh, but God was uh, faithful to show us himself, and uh, that's what I have been uh, sharing over the last couple of weeks, and I'll finish up the day uh, with a little bit of different twist. And uh, but I wanted to give you guys a chance to do what God has done for me. I know that he's done for you okay when you've got a, a situation in your life that is uh, deep and difficult and hard to go through like Isaiah 43 we read uh, that describes us walking through the fire and going through a river that we're about to drown in, uh, how God, walks with us. And as uh, he walks with us, he goes on in that chapter to say in Isaiah 43 that essentially we become his witnesses through the experience that we've had with him. Uh, Usually these experiences that we have are very deep. Uh, They're probably the most, uh, it, it, it can be the most real time with God than any time in your life. Uh, The the normal day, you know, it's sometimes hard to keep in contact with God in your own mind, but when you are struggling deeply, uh, your mind and your heart and your spirit are, the mundane just disappears, you know, and essentially you are in front of the Lord much of the time. And uh, so that's what Bev and I experienced, though in reality we experienced it for 16 years. Uh, as she moved through this process. Uh, so I, you know, I, I have particularly felt his presence during that time. And uh, it, since most of you have known me for a very long time, since I've taught this class for a very long time, um, I, each one of us have a kind of fatal flaw, you know, one that's uh, bugged us most of our life. And uh, mine began when I was 17 years old when um, uh, I lost my faith in God and just turned my back on him and walked away. And I walked away for 13 years. And I've had a really really deep relationship for a 17-year-old. And it was a major, major thing for me. But what was the problem was is I lost faith in him. Uh, Young people you know, expect God to do certain things on their time schedule and the way they think it ought to be done. And If he doesn't do it that way, he's failed them. And that's exactly what's, that, that happened to me. And I was very in tune with all of that, and it just broke me. And uh, so ever since I came back 10 years later, that is the main thing God has been working with me. Do, does he love me, really? You know? And can I really have faith in him? Do I really have faith in him? And so as God has progressed through my life, those two questions have been answered over and over and over and over again, saying, yes, you can have faith in me, and I truly do love you, and I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. You may leave me, but I will not leave you. And so what I found was the goodness of God, Okay, stepping into my life and showing me those things that he loved me and that he was faithful to take care of Beth and to take care of me on actual things. The goodness of God being given to you is really an action of God in, into your life that you can actually see and feel. It, it, it's as it's, it's though the love of God becomes a reality. Okay? So when he tells you, and he told Moses, as we studied the other week, you know, that Moses, if you want to see me, I will show you my goodness. When Moses said, I want to see your glory, and God says, well, okay, I'll show you my goodness. That's how God defined his glory, his goodness. And uh, that's, that's what I felt, his goodness, his, his just being good to me, being kind to me, being loving to me, answering things that were difficult that I could not have done and, and taken care of better, uh, things that had to be arranged and things that had to be done uh, that, I, that I couldn't do, you know? And, like her dying, I shared that uh, with septus. She was throwing up all the time, and nobody could stop it, and I finally came to the realization that the only person who could really help us was God. Medicines, doctors, were not gonna do. And my my fear was is that she would die that way. You know, just constantly throwing up, and uh, that God, answer that prayer. She didn't have septus from that point on. And about a month and a half later she died and she died of pneumonia, but quiet. And so it was a major, major prayer of His goodness reaching down and touching me and touching her. So we've shared a bunch of these, okay, and uh, I want to give some time for you uh, to share. One of the things I've also showed you is most often God would give me a verse that would help me walk through this time. And the verse became intimately connected to the event, to his goodness and his faithfulness. So the verse really solidified the time with him. And so now, and Bev has gone to be home to be with the Lord, and when I think about him and cry about him, okay, I, I go over often a verse. And so each one of the events that I've given to you where God stepped in and showed his goodness, I tried to explain the verse that went with that. And so I'm going to share a few others with you today, uh, but I, if I don't watch out, I'll take the whole time here. And we don't have any time to share with you guys, so I hope I can limit it down enough to where we can do that. Uh, let me just read just quickly. Uh, I've given you several verses. The, the, the only reason that I have come to share this with you is because God has really, truly given me some verses about what he's done for me, and I should not allow that to remain inside my soul. It needs to be shared with the people of God. And really, most often, it's the people of God, not, not something form. It's the people who love Him. And you're to share those things with them. I've also found that I had a deep, deep desire to share them with my personal family. And so at Christmas time, I took time to share with my grandkids so that they would know they can see it. But they don't know what's going on inside of your mind or your heart. They don't hear that and you need to take the time to give that to them because that's what's inside of you and what God has given you. And I've I've given you Isaiah 43 uh, where it speaks, God speaks out and says, you are the witness to the fact that I exist. You are the witnesses. You are to come to know me and understand me, that I am the only Savior, and you were to witness to that fact. Okay, and 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 it's all through Isaiah. Uh, excuse me, Psalm 10 uh, uh, Psalm one hundred nine, uh, beginning in verse about twenty-seven and going through thirty-one. Okay, that that one is the one that God gave me that was brand new because it wasn't a favorite of mine. I didn't even know it exists. I've read it, but I you know never hit me, and and I shared that with you at the very first time we were here, and that has to do with God saying to, I saying to God, help me, O Lord my God, save me, according to your loving kindness, and let me show them, let me show them that you did this, and that this is the event that has occurred. It is an actual event. Let them know that you saved my wife from sepsis. That only you stepped in and did that. Okay? And let them know that. That you did that. Okay? And then it goes on. The very next several verses it says, I will praise the Lord in the midst of his people. So that they will know that I, who was needy, He stood by my right hand and saved me. So that's what I would like for you to do this morning. I, we, we mentioned this last time that we give you a little bit of time to do that, but maybe share two or three of you, and, uh, and then I'll finish up. Okay, um, the, the Isaiah chapter twelve. Uh, talks about this very fact that we're talking about, beginning in verse 2. whole God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Therefore, you will rejoice because you draw up the waters of the springs of salvation. And in the day that you say, Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among his people. Make them remember his name. Praise the Lord in song, for he has done excellent things. Let this be known throughout the earth. Cry aloud and shout for joy. For great in your midst, is the Holy One of Israel. This is the song that we, I've shared this many years ago. It talks about the song and salvation. And the song is what God has given to you directly that you can almost sing because of what he's done. So he's building your song through the events of your life. And so we need to do a little singing this morning, which I won't do, and you won't either, I'm sure. But we will we will explain you know what God has done. And I ask you to think of an event and think if see if there's a verse that God gave to you along with that event. So that's what we're gonna do a little bit, and hopefully you'll take some time to share. So Alan, I'm going to pick on you, because you normally could say something about this in this area. So, if you would just kind of start us off and, and see if there's an event that you can explain a little bit of uh, what God did for you and, and maybe a verse that was connected to it. Well, um, thank you, Ted. In
1: 2004, Sandra's dad in June um, he he was blind and was 96 and Dorothy was 93 but she was in the stages of dementia and she had quit talking she had probably hadn't talked for four or five months and uh, the Sandra's dad died unexpectedly they were in a nursing home and Sandra was, was really devastated that he had died alone because her mother and dad were approaching our 75th wedding anniversary and they had always been together. and um, But um, when he died, uh, Sandra, we were there and the aide come up to Sandra and said I want to tell you something. I know you're devastated that you were not here but during the night your dad said Dorothy Dorothy and she replied Earl I am here mm-hmm. and it was just a peace that it gave Sandra was was just unbelievable well then in, in September the Lord called Sandra's mother home four months later, and um, the the piece that we got from that was that Dorothy and Earl were together. It was going to be their seventh, fifth anniversary. They were going to celebrate in heaven, not on earth. And then in October, uh, um, two weeks later, her oldest sister died. So Sandra had three deus within a, a five month period. And, uh, but it was just the Lord's grace on how um, he carried her through that and how she um, was able to, um, to continue to witness to people and, and tell. And I think a lot of that came from your mother, Jody, because Jody was the last of her line. And she and Sandra had talked so much about that. And I think there was a couple scriptures there that that, um, Isaiah 25, eight and nine says, he will swallow up death for all time and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all of our faces. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. And then in 25, at the start of 25-1, it says, O Lord, you are my God, I will exalt you, and I will give thanks to your name, for you have worked wonders, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. And then finally, Psalms 31, 14, 5. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands.
0: Thanks. That's that's very, very meaningful. meaningful. Anybody else wants to share?
2: I'll share. Yes. I think most of the class is um, up to speed, pretty much, on Harry's history with his esophageal cancer. But it's been fifteen years now, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know that I don't know what the current. Statistics are, but when he was diagnosed, you had a 20% survival rate, and I don't know that it would have changed that much uh, in this since the, since his diagnosis. But um, the Lord just um, opened all the doors that we needed to get him the kind of help he needed, and uh, we had checked with the surgeon in Oklahoma City right off the bat, um, and. We we found out that he did more that he did a lot of different surgeries, that he was the one who had done more apparently in the Oklahoma City area than any other surgeon. And in thirty years, twenty five or thirty years, he had only done twenty-five or thirty surgeries, so about once a year he was doing this very complicated surgery. (laughs) So we decided to think about it, but we didn't know that we might have other options that Might be a better fit for Harry. So, um, uh, one of our friends, one of his good friends and mine, um, was in an Oklahoma City 5K or 10K race or something one morning. And uh, they were talking about Harry because they knew him. And a guy from Tulsa had come down to Oklahoma City to run the event because he liked to go around running, you know, races. So, He happened, quote unquote, to hear a conversation about Harry having esophageal cancer. So he interrupted their conversation and said, hey, I I had it, um, I think it was like three or four years prior to that morning. He said, I had esophageal cancer and I'm here to tell you that I'm I'm a survivor. And so uh, he asked them if he could get Harry's number. So he called. We had been, I can't remember if we'd been, why we weren't home. Well, we were home. But it was late one night, about 10 o'clock, and the phone rang. And it was this Lewis Chandler from Tulsa who called to say, Hey, I'm so and so. um, um, I just heard yesterday that Harry um, had esophageal cancer. And he said, I just want you to know that I had it recently, just a few years ago. And um, I just would like to let you know that I had a wonderful experience because I went to Mayo Clinic and went to see a surgeon, but that was basically his surgery, you know. And uh, he did them several times. He did them once or twice a week, but he did them every week. So we contacted them, and they said, yep, come on up. And so um, another friend... (laughs) Um, rather than us trying to, and Harry was already pretty sick at this point, he'd been through chemo and radiation, and he was sick as a dog, you know, throwing up a lot and all that, so uh, uh, someone gave our name (laughs) to, um, he was working at that time with an agency, with a company that had different agents around the country, and one of them had uh, called to tell us that there was this Dr. Nichols up there and that he had, you know, the uh, the most experienced, probably any of them in the country. So, um, mm-hmm. Harry, um, <coughs> it didn't take us long to make a decision. We thought this is just a God thing because this guy, you know, overheard the conversation and next thing we know, um, that the president of the company he worked for, which was a nationwide company for what Harry was doing, he, um, he heard of one of Harry's co workers with that group, called the executive director, the president of the company, and told him the circumstances and asked him if he would fly his private plane down, pick up Harry, take him back to Mayo get the surgery, <laughs> bring him back home, <laughs> and the guy agreed to do it. Yeah. So he shows up in this 20-passenger private plane, and we meet him at the airport, and of course Harry's still very ill from the treatments, and we get there, and we have to wait a week, because at that point, they it took longer to get all the ducks in a row for that. They've made some advancements in the last 20 years in that surgery, but at that or in the last 10 or 15 years that we had to wait a week because he wanted to do another biopsy. And a couple of other things. He said there's no point in doing this surgery when they cut you open from you know stern to the pelvis if, if you have it any place else. So they had to verify that he didn't have it someplace else first. But anyway, so they flew us up there. After a week we, got, we had the surgery and uh, then he had to stay a week before he could come home and the guy sent his pilots again and they picked us up (laughs) flew us back home and um you know i'm not saying that there couldn't have been uh, several other physicians that could have accomplished for him what he did but this guy again he goes all over his his surgeon goes all over the world teaching other doctors how to do this surgery so we just feel like we've got the the best guy for the job, and the, the guy just used him to give Harry um, now 15 more years, and he's still he's been cancer-free ever since. So uh, we just we have a lot of his buddies calling him the miracle man because he. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanks, Debbie. You can probably appreciate that, can't you,
3: mm-hmm.
0: Gene? <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else like to share?
3: Anything else? I have one, Ted, Okay. on the thing. I was thinking about your mom and dad, and when your dad was um, kind of at the end of his life, and he was in a hospital bed at home, he could barely speak, he could barely understand him, and he told me to come close to him, and he said, I want you to buy some flowers for Jody, Red red, red roses. It was on a Sunday, nothing was open. Um, so I rushed to Homeland and I got there and their florist was shut down. So what I did is I talked to the manager that was checking me out for other stuff. And she said, um, I'm going to go open it up right now. So she goes back there and I wait for her and she comes out with this huge bouquet of red roses and I got a and I was supposed to put a note on it. I love you and then said, Jack. So I I it was a miracle that she got it. She almost lost her job doing it because she wasn't supposed to do that. But um it all worked out. But anyway, I took it home, gave it to dad. I had her come over there next to him and I held the flowers there and I said, This is dad for you. And she had her. Real, she was standing over him, and she was so sweet. She she took her fingers and she started at his feet, and she goes, "I love you from your feet to your knees to your arms to your face," and then she kissed him on the lips. And I thought that's that was his complete. And I think he knew in his heart that he wasn't going to make it out of this, but he wanted to tell Jody, "I love you." And God worked through that girl. Um, I went back. And apparently she almost lost her job. And I I talked to the management to tell her what she did. She goes, we had no idea. And I said, um, no, I said, if anything, she should be rewarded for taking the time and seeing the need of someone that's needing something special. But um, that's one example in my life. The other is having a handicapped daughter um, that you think things are going to change and they never change. And yet God... Has given me scripture after scripture after scripture. The Isaiah 43 is one of my favorites, or 41. And, um, but just, he commands us to to honor him, love him. And I thought, God has been so gracious um, for me to open my eyes and see the difficult times are hit. The most difficult times are when God has picked me up and held me through it. I love Isaiah 30:21. Whether I turn to the right or to the left, my ears will hear a voice behind me saying, "This is the way. Walk in it." So when life gets difficult, I just have to continue to remember those verses that you know that I've depended on all those years. And I, I look at uh, Mom and Dad Huff and their their love for each other, and more than that, their love for Christ. And spreading the gospel to other people. And that's that was the key. They took what was difficult and um, God used it.
0: Thank you. I actually hadn't heard that myself. <laughs> <laughs> See there you kept that too quiet. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you very much. Appreciate that very much. Oh, can I say one
2: more quick part? Sure. Here uh, sure. we had a metastasis from that esophageal cancer seven years out, seven years after his surgery which is not, they said it was very uncommon. And we went back for another surgery, but it was in the peritoneal area, which is near the spine. So they had to put him on his stomach, do surgery from the back, but still go around to the front of the spine to get that cancer out. And then we did, but we didn't do chemo the second time. They uh, said that that's not usually advisable. But again, then got the ward provided and Harry is still here Eight years later now, um,
0: even without chemo that time. So. Well, I want to go ahead and uh, finish up. Okay. okay, appreciate you guys sharing very much. And uh, again, I encourage you. Uh, you know that that's what God asks us to do. You know, He says, "You you are my witnesses to the fact that I'm God." And the fact is is that you know it from experience. And you know, from uh, the things that I do for you in your life, okay. And often I do it in terms of a promise, and a verse that encourages you and speaks of uh, His love for you. And uh, and those verses become, you know, enormous. They're, they're actually the verses that you carry in your life more than lots of other verses. Even though you study lots of other verses, and you like them too, these become paramount. And uh, it's just a beauty. Okay. All right, well, what I want to do, I just we have about 15, 20 minutes left here. Uh, I, I just want to share a few other things. Uh, I, I, again, thank the Lord uh, that i am being able to do this. But at the same time, I want you to understand that one of the reasons I did it is because of you. Okay, Because I, I wanted to share what God had done. You know, and you are my, some of my closest friends. And even though we don't see each other all the time, and I haven't been in Sunday school class for seven years, uh, because of taking care of uh, uh you are the people who would know and understand you know my own heartbeat for what goes on in uh, your lives and my life because we've intermingled for so many years and so I was willing to take the chance and share you know uh, number one it's it's uh uh, I go through these three weeks that I've gone to prepare these things, and they're extremely emotional. Those weeks. Uh, that's, but I do want you to share, let you know, that in my my state, uh, the emotions and the tears uh, are good. You know, they they bring to me, Bev. And they bring to me God and they bring to me a future and a hope in terms of our life together and that's the first one I want to share with you is Jeremiah 29 11 this was my mom's favorite verse it's the only one she repeated over and over as her dementia got bad she'd just repeat this verse over and over and over again but it's a wonderful verse and uh, uh, I I know the plans that I have for you. Okay, the plans are for good. It's amazing how many times I now now notice the word "good" used by God. He's He's speaking. I have plans for you, and they are good. Okay, they are not evil. Okay, now there is a. Uh, uh, the translation that says to give you an expected end, okay? but the New American Standard says to give you a future and to give you a hope. And to me, the, the thing that's been interesting to me over this last five uh, months is pieces of verses that God has popped into my life that give me a dimension of him and a dimension of her with him, okay, that I've never experienced, never known, never thought about. And even though I might say them to you and go, well, that's common knowledge, it, it's like I'm experiencing this. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in tune with the future, where she is, what we will become together with Jesus, I'm in tune to it. I feel it, and often have great tears about it. So uh, Paul calls it in First Peter a living hope. I think that's a, a, a beautiful thing. It's a it's a lie. It's a living hope okay, that we have that has been given to us. Uh, let me kind of give you an example. Uh, I, I'm an English major and I taught English poetry and all that kind of things for 30 years. And so I'm in tune to beauty. Okay, I'm in tune to the ability to see and really reveal beauty in terms of the world itself, and people and in God's creation. And uh, a sunset that, that's really painted, and you can see it, okay, overwhelms me. I mean, it's, it's the one place that I look and go, this, this is what heaven's like. This beauty is what we will have. It's what heaven is. That's what it is. And then even to the smallest thing, like a cardinal, which we have a lot of in our backyard. Okay, And I have two or three paintings of cardinals. And Bev loved cardinals. And you know, I love the cardinals too. And... Uh, the, the color of the birds, but particularly the cardinal, is just extraordinary. It's a splendor. And what, what really troubles me throughout my whole existence, since I'm, like I said, I am tuned to these things because I teach them, okay, or did, <laughs> uh, is that I'm immediately drawn to them, more so than many people, because I am attuned to them, but when I when I with with my heart and I I take a walk every day, and often I'll see these you know, things, and I'll be drawn to them and go immediately to God's presence. But what what really troubles me, is that I can't bring it into my soul. It's there, and I see its splendor, and I I look for what it means. And I do touch it, but I have this deep, deep longing to bring it into my soul, this, to feel the very beauty of God inside of me. And I'm, tra- I'm trapped in a body, in a psyche that is still sinful and can't seem to get there. Okay? And that's true of all sorts of areas, like a love between a man and a woman. That's beautiful, it's there, but there's something that stops our ability to go deep within it. And I believe it's the sin nature that's clouded it. Now we see through a glass darkly. Okay. And I and and the thing that has really brought to me in the last five months is this sense of being released with my wife, as I walk through a forest with her in heaven, with the Spirit of God with us. That's another thing that hit me two weeks ago. So you understand, often I've thought, there's billions of people in heaven. How, how can I be anything? Billy Graham might be, Moses might be, Peter might be, but I'm zip. In terms of those. Okay. And will God really touch me and be with me? And let me see? You know, how how does that work? And the other other day, I was reading John 14, where Jesus is talking about him leaving. And he said, "I, I will not leave you alone. I will come to you. I will come to you, okay? And when I leave, God will do something that he's never done. All those that are his, he will now be in them. I will be you, in you. I. God will be in you, but the spirit will be the representative force that pledges and seals God inside of you. And the word that Jesus said, He said forever. And that's what caught me new. He's there forever. So when Bev and I walk together in heaven, through a beautiful forest, or look at the cardinal or look at the sunset, he is there forever. And maybe it's just the three of us. It will be just the three of us. And it, it was just a pleasing, settling, beautiful thing. What a future! What a hope! Okay, that God has given to us. And uh, just just really touched my soul that He's promised that I will not leave you. I will be in you. And uh, uh, John 17 is so intimate in its language of them being in you, abiding in you you forever. And so wherever you walk, wherever you feel, wherever you do in heaven, the Spirit of God is right there. Now, another another point is that that Spirit, I, I have felt, I don't know how you feel, but as I walk through my day with God, and I do a lot of praying because I've set up a task to pray for my students. And so I do a lot of praying through the day. So I find myself in contact with God a lot through those prayers. Okay, and, uh, But when, when I look back over any day, I go, I, I am not enough in the presence of God. I mean, he's there. And, I'm, and I know it's there. But the truth of the matter is my recognition of it and my ability to bring it inside of me is weak. It, it, you just look back and go, "This I ought to have been better today with him. When you wake up in the morning you say, I want to do your will. I want to be with you. Well, you are. But there's there, there's this like there's a cloud over it a lot of the t- most of the time and You finish the day going. I wish this would have been better. The point of it is it will be better The future and the hope He is there. He is in him. He's in me now today when I go home on the way He's there forever But when we get to him 1 John 3.1 commences. Okay. When we see him, we will be like him. And the one thing that you find Jesus constantly saying is, I don't do anything that I don't see the Father doing. I don't do anything I see what the Father does all the time. I don't say anything. I don't say anything to you unless the Father tells me or shows me what to say. I know the mind of the Father. When we see him, we will be like him. And though we look through a glass darkly, we will see him face face to face, and even though we don't know well right now, and we are trapped in the sinfulness of the world, we will be released to be like him, and we will be unified, as Jesus said in Psalm, uh, John 17, I and you, and you and me, and we're both in the Father. And you will experience that. And so when I walk down with Bev through a forest, and there's a cardinal, the, the, what God himself feels about that cardinal, I will feel. What God feels about that sunset, I will feel. I will, I will be opened to being like Jesus. That is our future, and that is our hope. Okay, And that's what he plans. That's what he plans. That's what he wants. His sons and his daughters to be like him. And so, to tell you the truth, I have felt that more than any time in my life. Because she's there. And I will know that I will be with her and with him. And so, the closer you are to it, and the more you feel that God is giving you pieces like this, it just is beautiful. So again, I I can't share many of these too many often; or are too too much. You know but that's what God has been giving. And so I hope that it brings, the the reason I came was because of Psalm 109. Help me, save me, Lord my God, and let them know that you have done this. And I am a needy person, and you have been by my right hand, and you have saved me. I want them to know that you did this, that you are doing this. I want them to know that, that you are alive and with me. So uh, a lot of times, a lot of tears, but they're good tears because there's a future and there's a hope. Okay. In fact, I, I look forward to the tears yeah, because they're good tears in, in terms of what's going on, even though there's a lot that has to to be dealt with like meaning and aloneness, you know, all of those things. I have a big example and somebody that you none of you know probably is my grandmother. Uh, Becky, I named my daughter after. Her, and uh, well, probably the most godly person I've ever met. Uh, she she affected my mom, my dad, and everybody around her. Okay uh, she was an extremely quiet woman, but time she opened her mouth, she spoke of God, I mean time. And she lost her husband when he was, uh, he was about 50 and she was about 50. and she lived another 20 30 years. And she never left the house that they were in. And she lived there by herself. The whole time, except for the grandkids and all the people coming in. And many people would ask her, aren't you afraid? Aren't you alone? And she says, I've never been afraid, and I've never been alone, because Jesus is with me. And that that was truth, because she read her word, and she prayed all day long. She was a woman who quietly engaged her life with God after the death. Well, before the death, but I mean that's that's what she was. Okay, and so it's it's uh, you know those those things are meaningful and beautiful, and they have to be shared you know, with God's people. And it's not easy to do that sometimes anyway so I've I've enjoyed having a chance this year and I'm thankful that God has been able to do that to help me because I, I have not felt very good about doing this because I didn't know if I could do it you know it's, it's it to me it was difficult you never know if the emotions in your heart will come out okay and it's like it's not there so again thank you very much and Ron will be beginning next week is that right you well, thank you Yeah. you know I, I can remember
1: one of your lessons right before you had to leave us was you where you ask us to continue to sing our song And so I know how difficult it was for you, but it's just a further testimony of the fact that each one of us in here are at the age now where we're gonna see God at work in different aspects of our life. And we need to be letting our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren know just how faithful and how good God is to us. And that was one of the things that Anita, Couple of years ago, said we need to start praying for our, our great grandchildren that we don't even have now, that they will have the foundation that that we have that our forefathers gave us. So, yeah. thank you. I know it hurt, but thank you so much for sharing your heart with
0: us. Yeah, uh, we appreciate it. Uh, it's twelve. <laughs> we timed that just right. <laughs> Lots of time I don't time.
3: Recording
2: stopped. <laughs> really yeah, no, no. That, recording stopped.
1: <clears throat> I, I can remember. <clears throat> <ENGLISH>
3: take kind of care right. yeah.
1: yeah. right. right.
3: <laughs> it was so special <laughs> 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 Well, i put in the phone.